Balls. He's a libertarian in chief. This is the libertarian chief chat. Just a libertarian chit chat with the chief. Oh, hey, I'm Kevin. I'm here too. All right. Welcome to Chief Chats with Todd Hagopian and Kevin Hobby. I'm Kevin Hobby. And I'm Todd Hagopian. And we have a very special guest today, one of our good friends and the chair of the Oklahoma party, Chad Williams. Chad, want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Chad Williams, uh, chair of the Oklahoma State Libertarian Party. Uh, also an elected libertarian here in the state of Oklahoma. I'm a councilman for the city of Choctaw in Ward 1. Very good, very good. And we will definitely talk about both of those more today. But what we like to start with, Chad, is the path to liberty. So most of us weren't born this weird. Um, so where did you come from and how did you end up sitting here today? Uh, so probably like most Oklahomans uh, that have come to the Libertarian Party, I started out as a Republican. Uh, pretty much just kind of born and raised that way. Uh, during the early 2000s, so, you know, right after Bush was elected, you know, I was all gung-ho, you know, party over principle thing. And, uh, you know, kind of a war hawk too, especially right after 9-11. You know, I, I joined the Marines after that and uh, didn't, never got deployed over there. Uh, I always got stuck in other places. But uh, come about 2004, you know, when the when G.W. Bush was up for re-election, uh, you know, that's when I first heard about Ron Paul. And I'm like, I, I like at that point in time in my life, I was like, I like everything he says, except for where he stands on the war. And there was like one or two other little things. And so I was at that point, I was like, is it is it right to? to go that route or what, you know, and, and, you know, kind of dismissed it till, you know, come about 2007, I was, I just started getting fed up with, you know, everything that was going on in 2008 with the financial crash happening. Uh, I lost my first business. I had, that was when I had my first business, uh, lost my business because it, I had no customers left after that, you know, after the housing bubble left that, I was doing a landscaping business and no one wanted someone doing their yard anymore because they didn't have the money for it. But, uh, and then the bailouts happened and that's when I was like really fed up with the Republican party. I was we sit here and say, we we're going to, you know, give out hundreds of billions of dollars to banks because they, you know, made bad loans. And, uh, so I got involved with the Tea Party at that point and uh, thought, you know, when, when that was going on, I was, was thinking, all right, we're going to turn this around. We're going to turn this around. And then it got co-opted by the very same people that are still in Washington to this day. You know, they're like, yeah, yeah, vote for me. We're going to get rid of all these rhinos. I'm like, you're the rhino. And, and people fell for it. And that's when I finally just got completely disgusted with the Republican party and decided I, I didn't want anything to do with them. Um, and in Oklahoma back then, the, the voter registration law was still super strict. 
and so you know you basically you only had the republican democrat or an independent uh i i stayed republican just so that way you know i could vote in primaries and uh and you know on local levels and stuff like that so i could you know have a little bit more of a voice on that end uh till about uh till 2016 when the libertarian party finally got uh recognition here in the state and then i swapped changed parties to the libertarian party and uh got involved you know because i it, you know i heard knew a couple of the people knew the names you know from facebook and whatnot of people running for office as libertarian so i decided i was you know try to get involved in the party and so i started looking into it and then uh went to a, a central oklahoma regional meeting and met with several people and Chris Powell, Richard Brzezinski and Brian Beavers and a few others that are around. And uh, so I started kind of going to some more meetings, went to a North central meeting, met Aaron and David Stewart and uh, a couple of the other ones that, that, that are real active in the North central region. And then from there, you know, I just, you know, just stayed really active in the party and uh, eventually, I uh, got on to the campaign for, uh, at the time, it was Tracy Baker. Her name's Tracy Gold now. Uh, got on her campaign staff for her city council run for Norman. And I worked as her treasurer. Learned a lot of odds and ends. Pretty much have to self-taught on that one. And uh, that kind of bolted me up to the position for treasurer of the state party. And, uh, from that point on, you know, I was pretty much running, uh, the state party. It, it was me and Aaron pretty much by ourselves. And so that's why I decided to, uh, run for chair and the rest of that was history. So, <laughs> so basically, um, that was at the very beginning that the state party just, basically reform when we got ballot access or were there just not that many people involved? They're just wanting a whole lot of people involved. I mean, there were still, there were quite a few and, and a lot of those, uh, a lot of people that were there at that point in time uh, have kind of moved on. Uh, you know, a lot of them got burned out because it, it, it I'm not going to lie. It's, it's real hard being as small as we are and, as big as this state is and, and what we need to do to get where we need to go, it takes a lot, a lot of work. And for just a hand, small handful of people doing all the work, it, it, it takes its toll on you. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I don't fault the people for, you know, that, that have since left over it, you know, at all, because I completely understand that, you know, it, 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 it's a lot of work and, and it can burn you out real quick. But, uh, but yeah, back, back then, I mean, there's, I mean, we, we, we had, we had quite a few, uh, not like what we've got today, but, but we had, we still had quite a few. Yeah. So that was Aaron was chair. In Actually, uh, Tina, Tina was chair. Oh, okay. okay. And then you were treasurer in 16. I was treasurer in 2018. 18. Okay. And then you became chair. And, and then I became the chair. Actually, yeah. no, sorry. What year was that? 
17. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Then you became chair in 19. I became chair in 19. Yeah. Awesome. Talk to us about your time as chair. Um, having to deal with assholes like me and Kevin. It's um, <laughs> so, so you, you, we've all heard the term herding cats <laughs> and uh, it's exactly, that is exactly what it is. It's uh, and I, I told Kevin this uh, probably about a month ago or so is the, the problem with being a chair in the libertarian party is you are trying to lead a bunch of people whose core belief is the absence of rulers and leaders. It's, you know, individualism to its nth degree. And so you're trying to control that orderly chaos, basically uh, of individualistic people to go towards a common goal. And it, it's, it's, it's challenging. Talk to us a little bit about, uh, I know the party's done quite well over the last few years. What are some of the things you've got done? Uh, some of the things that, that, that I'm, I'm pretty proud of is, is my time as chair. I wanted to concentrate on winning local elections and uh, out the gate, you know, with my campaign, uh, Josh Clark, his campaign, uh, us winning both on the same night. It was, it was a real, a real good day. I mean, as far as like feeling accomplished as, you know, setting a plan together and, and seeing it come to fruition. Uh, and then Chris winning his election and then, uh, uh, David, he was appointed first, but then he won reelection. Uh, so, I mean, it's, they start, we're, we're starting to stack some up and, and it's becoming, it's having the effect that I, that I've desired it to, in that we're, we're seeing a lot of people at the local levels, you know, see what libertarian is about in real action. Yeah. Uh, and, and it, it does have an effect and I, I see it here in Choctaw, uh, when I talk to constituents, you know, that it's not a matter of no longer do people not know libertarianism uh, or libertarians, rather. A lot of them don't know libertarianism, uh, but they they have an understanding of where we come from, you know, what what our stance is on certain issues. And sure. so I think I think that has a profound effect uh, more so than than, you know, going out and doing rallies or, or anything else that is, is just, uh, you know, trying to just mass outreach to the public. It's more targeted, I would say. Uh, and we definitely want to touch on some of those specific issues, but first tell us about how you ran and how you won your campaign and then maybe touch on some of the other ones. So my campaign, I, I at first was pretty much just by myself. Um, I did all the planning and everything. And I, I knew almost instantly that I, I needed help. Um, I, I was trying to reach out to certain people and, and, and whatnot. And Kevin finally, you know, reached me and, and I was like, 
hey, I, you know, I'd love to help, you know, have you, you know, try to learn to be the treasurer and, and do that. But at, by, by that point in time, I was like, what, three weeks away from the election. And yeah, so, I think it, it wasn't even a month. Yeah. Yeah. And so like most of all of that stuff was already taken care of. The only other thing I had left was one more, uh, one more push for a get out the vote uh campaign part uh but after that it was it was pretty much just you know knocking doors and and talking to people that that was that was really all it amounted to really is and that's how i won was just getting out there hitting the pavement you know uh, after the end of the day i uh knocked on about 700 doors there's 1100 registered voters 1150 registered voters in my district uh, knocked on 700 doors and less than 200 people voted in the election. So, very cool. <clears throat> so door knocking was the big deal, and I know. Uh, yeah, well, with- it, it also it also kind of helped that, um, you know, I, I did have an online presence, but I, I, you know, I tried to come out strong on that end of it because I, you know, the mindset is, you know, everyone's online now. Uh, but out here, it it really it didn't have the traction uh, that most people think it should have or would have had, uh, you know, not very many people were even on Facebook no one was on Twitter. So it, uh, you know, I, I started, you know, trying to hit online I was going to do Facebook ads and this, that, and the other. And I was, you know, I was seeing there wasn't any kind of reaction whatsoever on the online side of it. So I was like, all right, we need to change tactics here let's go old school and apparently that's that, that was the key yeah and uh and i know chris powell his 63 percent win was built mostly off of handshaking um and then phone calls towards the end of it as well yeah uh, I, and i i helped knocked on some doors for him too and yeah. uh when when we were doing the last final push and you know the the ones that i went talked to you know it was every single one of them had heard of him and, exactly. and that's that's half the battle you know they're like oh yeah i know who he is and i'm, and I'm like well, i thought it was pretty crazy because i called uh, a little over 100 people and uh for him because i couldn't get out to where he was in bethany yeah um, but what i was surprised at is when i finally got a hold of people i did a lot of message leaving but when i talked to somebody almost every one of them would be like, yeah, I know who he is. He stopped by twice. You know, he stopped by once. We had a conversation about this and, and I think you're right. I mean, those things stick with voters <clears throat> at that level. Um, did you ever in your campaign mention that you were a libertarian? Cause I know that was a nonpartisan race, correct? Yes. Nonpartisan race. But um, only time I really mentioned it was if I was asked, yeah. um, and and usually you know the the conversation was typically are you a republican or are you a democrat <laughs> they didn't they didn't ask what what i was what my affiliation was they just straight up asked me if i was republican or democrat and i was like no and you know i just left it at that and let them i tried my my biggest strategy for at the door was trying to get them talking um it wasn't me trying to like, Oh, here, Hey, my name's so-and-so this is one running the blah, 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 blah. It wasn't me talking. I was trying to get them to talk. 
Because as long as I knew if I could get them talking, I could communicate better to them about how my, my views and my principles was going to better their life. Right. Very cool. Um, and then <clears throat> was it Josh? What was Josh's campaign? Josh like? Clark was, he, uh, he ran for school board uh, in Dale, which uh, if I'm sure not hardly many people are familiar with Dale, but Dale is a town all of about um, 700 square feet and uh little teeny tiny town in oklahoma in in, in potawatomi county but yeah the population of dale is 222 yeah and and it's i think it's slightly bigger than doherty where david won his city council or his uh city or town trustee i think is the type of government they have down there so uh but yeah, he, uh, I, you know, most of his w was probably just, just out talking to a few people here and there, uh, the town that small, most everyone knows everyone, half of them are probably related. And so, uh, that that's, th those are the kind, those are the kind of races that, that libertarians should be excelling at is in those, in those communities like that, where it's really tight knit and, uh, you know, you, you either, you get people where they, you know, if they're already in office, they, everyone else either loves them or hates them. And so that that's a, that's pretty much what I consider easy pickings. So you got elected. Talk about some of the issues that you've taken an obvious libertarian bent against the other guys, or maybe. Um, so pretty much every, every other week at our meetings, it's, it's something. And, uh, the, it, it's really, it's really hard when you, you got six other, you got, you know, five other counselors and, and the mayor and, uh, you're sitting there standing there talking about, you know, this is how this is wrong of what we're trying to do here. You know, these people aren't, aren't doing anything thing wrong. They're not harming anyone, but yet you're going to pass up an ordinance uh, like one we had last year was uh, that uh, shipping containers uh, cannot be used in a, as a permanent storage fixture, uh, except for at like a storage place where they're tied down. Um, if like walmart puts them out there and they use it for storage for the garden center or whatever but they can only be there for like 90 days and they have to move uh but residents you can't have it for more than 14 days and so you know any resident in the city of choctaw that they have a storage container out back because they're using it as a shed or something then they'll get a a note from the code enforcement officer that they're not in compliance and then they have 30 days to remove it or uh they'll be fine it's 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 things like that that just it it tries your patience and uh you know when the the vote's six to one and you're that only one it's you know you you, you got to take it in stride what's uh, that argument even look like like what is their argument 
when they tell you <laughs> that all of them are voting against you on something like that. It looks horrible. <laughs> really, I mean, that's what they said said to my face that it it, it looks horrible. <laughs> they they don't they it they feel like they're entitled to to restrict what you can and can't own or can and can't do with your own property there uh just based on aesthetics uh and we we almost we had another situation uh a couple months ago uh luckily the uh oklahoma legislature preempted municipalities from making uh ordinances that restricted building materials based on aesthetics so meaning um so our mayor proposed making an ordinance saying that you could not build your house out of, you couldn't make your house a metal building uh, because a, a resident had built a pretty large house and it looks like a big metal barn. Uh, it looked like a big metal barn when they were constructing it. And it's on one of the ma major roads uh, going north and south in Choctaw. And, uh, so he proposed making this ordinance and when he finally was able to get get it all squared away to bring before council the uh the legislature had had passed a law that said that the municipalities couldn't do that to residential homes the governor signed it and it had an emergency clause on it so it went into effect immediately <laughs> and uh so it was about a week later they they're starting they're going to bring it up to council and uh I pointed out like uh, this this ordinance is against state law and so what they did is they made a blanket statement about commercial and residential that uh, it couldn't be just a metal building commercial ones had to have 75 percent of the front facing uh, side covered in other materials besides you know it had to be like brick wood stucco or, or something like that. Uh, and then a non, non primary building on a residential property had to be covered at least 50% of some other material. So, so they, they skirted the state law, uh, by mean, you know, by not saying primary residence. And so th that that fight was long and bitter, and uh, it uh, it was another six to one. <laughs> Do you feel like you're making any headway there? Um, on certain, there comes sometimes where on certain issues, I feel like that you know I'm, I get. I get one or two other councilmen to, to agree on a certain thing, but then on a separate, on another issue that is somewhat similar. I mean, in principle, somewhat similar, not, not exactly the same type of thing. Then they, they go the opposite way. Uh, mask mandates for one of them. And, uh, like the one council council person that, uh, I thought was going to be like, gung-ho for the mandates and everything turned out to be the only other one that voted voted against them <laughs> so, <laughs> uh 
uh, and I remember your, your post on mask mandates. So what ended up happening? What were the arguments for and against? How uh, did the people show up? Did they come? Oh, they're, it, it's, it's still a very contentious issue. Um, we've since it's, it's, it's the, the little sliding slope thing is in full effect. You know, it, it, it started out, you know, back in April last year that, you know, we're, no, we're not going to impose any mandates. Then, then all of a sudden, okay, we're imposing mask mandates. Well, we, we get calls and emails that, uh, you know, people at uh, Little Caesars aren't wearing the mask. So, oh, well, now we're going to put fines with it uh, if you're not wearing a mask. And that goes to the company that's letting people wear the, not wear the mask and the people not wearing the mask also. Wow. And then they extended it now that this last one that went through December 2nd, they, instead of having the one month at a time, they've now extended it through April this year. Uh, so the mandate is in effect till April. <laughs> and they're still finding both the business and the person. Yes. Wow. There's, there's, yeah, we, we have, it's still a very contentious issue, but the, uh, the councilmen are, they're, they're not budging on it at all. Uh, we've got three of them that are stalwart, you know, take it to the max one. That's not quite a stalwart uh, on it, on it all. You know, he's not really doesn't like the fine idea, but he, he pretty much just went along with it anyway, because it was part of the deal. Right. Uh, and then there was uh, me and one other council councilwoman that uh, were against it completely. <laughs> and <clears throat> the people are they showing up to meetings and for for those type of issues? Yeah, there's uh, so I mean it, it kind of it depends on what what's coming up before the council is is if there's going to be. Uh, any kind of constituents involved in speaking out for or against um, a, a lot of times it, it's things that come through the planning commission that uh, they get denied by the planning commission. You know, if you got like a, a bunch of homeowners that are pissed off about something, you know, then they'll, they'll, they'll show up in force uh, for the appeals process and all that. Um, but as far as, you know, everyday mundane ordinances and stuff there's hardly any involvement whatsoever and it's that that is kind of discouraging but it, it's it's been probably the the track record for decades most likely you know people people don't pay attention that closely to what's going on in their city politics you know they they see what's happening on their state a little bit and then mostly see what's happening on a national scale and uh you know then they, they, unless it happens to them, you know, they, they don't really know what's going on. Yeah, that makes sense. What are some of the other candidates in Oklahoma that have gotten elected? Have they faced similar challenges? Have they had different successes or? Um, I, I haven't really talked to Josh at all. Um, David, I, I, 
he he's seen a little bit from what I've what I've spoken to him about. Uh, his, his isn't as pronounced as mine, uh, just simply for the fact that you know the the small towns. It's you know they they don't have a probably the amount of stuff coming through to to really discuss um that you know you know granted choctaw is considered a small city but it's still in oklahoma terms it's it's one of the larger uh municipalities um you know so we we have quite a bit that goes through uh chris uh, i you know has has dealt with some of it but uh he from what i can tell he has he has a few other councilmen that are more amenable to different things. So, right, cool. Well, what's next for Chad Williams? Are you going to keep running and keep winning in Choctaw, or what do you got planned? Um, I well, I do. I'm planning on running for mayor uh, in 2023. Is that right? Yes. So uh, nice. Um, I'm going to be gearing up for that here pretty soon and uh hopefully uh we'll see where that goes the uh the current mayor had had said prior to this this last election that he uh wasn't going to seek another term so we'll see if he holds out to that but uh you know it it we may we may see there may be like two or three other people running so uh, I'm, i'm gonna have my work cut out for me that's for sure and is that election the same year as your seat? Mm-hmm. Or? Yeah. yeah, so I, I, I would have to be vacating my seat. Gotcha. Good. That'll be a fun run. What will be the plan for that? Just a lot of door knocking? or is That, that one, well, it, times are kind of changing. So it's uh, that one is going to be, uh, there's going to be quite a bit of door knocking, that's for sure. Uh, but it's, uh, I'm going to be pretty well targeting uh voters uh and and catching you know the ones that are the most active in in both the voting booth those that are more active online you know the ones that like tend to pay attention to things sure uh and just uh, you know because I, I i keep track of, of you know people that call to me or email me um, whether they live in my ward or not, you know, I, I keep track of those. And those are the people that I know that, you know, they, they try to pay attention as best as they can. So th- those are going to be the voters I, I, I'm going to target and, and try to go after. And, you know, cause the name of the game is the plurality. So, you know, yeah. the, the, the more voters I can get, the, the better. And the, if I can get more targeted voters, I'm more, more likely to, to sway them my direction. So that that that's the plan for that that's awesome do you have a platform lined out are you still working on that um kind of still working on that uh things it's we're we're kind of in a a lull period right now they you know probably one of the reasons i i won this election was i ran i ran on the the you know side of you know the we've had the same at that point in time, the, the, my opponent, he, he'd been in the same office for 17 years. 
And he was appointed to that position after his father retired. His father held that seat for decades too. And his uncle had it for a little bit. I mean, so pretty much it was as close to royalty as you could possibly get. Right. And so, you know, my, my platform then was, you know, that it, we need a different voice. We needed, we needed change in, in how, city government was ran in Choctaw because it, you know, we can't be having the same thing uh, expecting different results. So, you know, that, that was my platform and, and, and that'll be, you know, that'll still probably be um, in my purview in 23. Uh, just, you know, we, we need new direction. We need uh, new voices and, and new ideas of how we can change the way things have been ran or not ran basically for the last 40 years. Uh, And that's uh, one of the biggest things that we've, we've had to contend with was, you know, a a bureaucracy where it was a good old boy system that, you know, you had basically three people that ran the entire city and they just did it their way. There, there, you know, if, if there was something that someone brought it up, like, oh, you need to be doing it by the law like this way, like, oh, oh, we're sorry, we'll, we'll start doing it that way type thing. You know, it wasn't ever done the way it was supposed to from the get-go. They just they just ran it how they wanted to run it. Right. And there was, there was no one to challenge them. So... And it uh, it, it cost the city big, and it's it's still costing the city, and we're we're paying for it right now, and you know it's pissed off a lot of people, and and they don't they don't understand how it happened or why it happened. They just know that it has happened, and you know we're the ones in, sitting in the chairs right now. Right. <laughs> well, that'll be exciting. A mayor race for the Libertarian Party. That'll be cool. What else yep. we got? Anything? Anything big for the party coming up? Any big races that you know about? Uh, well, we, you know, Chris is running for re-election. So when he ran last year, it was for a it was for a uh, a vacated seat. Yeah. Uh, so he he he's up for re-election uh, coming up here in February. Yeah. Um, I've heard of another another libertarian running for like a school board. Okay. Uh, and then uh, I, I can't remember who that was because the name doesn't stick out to me. Um, and then uh, see Trey Trey Bishop's running for Oklahoma City Council. Yeah. In Ward Three, uh, which is going to be a very heavy race. There's a lot of candidates running for that race. Yeah. Uh, and, and a couple of them have, have quite a bit of money. So that, that one's extremely tough. But uh, as far as the, the party's concerned, I'm, I'm wanting to – I'd really like to see uh, a lot more focus on trying to draw numbers for targeted races. That, that's really what, what I'd like to see. Uh, we got our convention coming up in March. And uh, be uh, probably some new faces and everything. So that that usually always brings a lot of a lot of uh, 
enthusiasm and, and working towards a common goal. And so uh, hopefully we can, you know, we can get some support and uh, look to try to uh, build something for 2022 uh, because I, I believe 2022 is going to be, is going to be kind of a make or break year for us. Uh, even though our ballot access is secure through 2024, uh, I, I don't want to see a slip to where we're going to be relying on on a last-ditch effort, basically, in 24 to uh, maintain our ballot access. So, you know, I want to want to build something strong in 22 um, and try to get some more momentum to where we're not even going to be thinking about ballot access anymore, that it'll be pretty much a given uh, – that, that's that's my hope anyway so yeah no that's a great point and we've talked a little bit about uh this kind of stuff offline and trying to figure out who can run for what um but but the way that oklahoma does it where you can uh get ballot access for the next four years basically um what chad's saying is if if you don't get qualified for ballot access in 22 then you're in a make or break um time frame in 24 uh, and you lose ballot access if you go to elections without hitting the 2.5% threshold. So 22 is really important just because we got to get somebody over two and a half. Um, so that, as, as you mentioned, we don't have to freak out about ballot access at any given time. Um, but you talk a little bit about the growth in the party, just so people can understand, because I think it's important. Um, so... Like I said, we, we gained our ballot access in 2016. And so we, we, for all intents and purposes, started out at zero. And uh, within that first year, we had almost, uh, where, where were we at? Were we at 3,000 by then? Yeah, I think after that first year, we were at about 3,000 registered voters. And uh, as of like December first, I haven't looked at the, had it lately, but we're we're pushing uh, fifteen, almost sixteen thousand voters now uh, in the state. Now, granted, that's still you know just half a percent, but it, we're our growth our growth is trending higher and a lot faster than than it has been in, in many recent years. So uh, that that's a very promising uh, thing. Our uh, our actual membership in, in the party has grown tremendously too. Uh, only not only at the national level, but the state level as well. We, you know, we're, we're sitting at about 120 active members, you know, that, that have an active membership. Whereas when, when I took over as treasurer, we had, you know, less than 50 active members, you know, and, and when almost every single member, you have in the state party shows up to, to convention, you know, that's, that's not really a good thing. I would, I would say, you know, on a, for a state political party that almost every single one of them are, are at your convention. Uh, now granted that, you know, if we had thousands of members and, you know, almost a thousand show up to a convention, then, you know, that's kind of a good problem to have. Right. Yeah, I think um, obviously uh, Joe was disappointing in in Oklahoma this year, but some of the highlights I would say is Gary Johnson, I think was up close to, what was it, around 6% in 2016, the first time on the ballot. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I mean, big numbers coming out of Gary Johnson's campaign in Oklahoma. I think uh, so. I don't think it was so much that she did poorly this year in Oklahoma. I, I think it more had to do with the dynamics of the election itself uh, as, as to why her numbers were so low. Uh, just, you know, the purity of the fact that in 2016, the Republicans were still, were still kind of split. They, you know, they, they were still holding on to that hope of, of, you know, some sort of conservative principles. Uh, but when, you know, when Trump won the, the nomination for the GOP, you know, they, that's when they, it was, it was go big or go home. You know, you had, you had to be principal over, you had to be party over everything at that point in time for them. And, and so it was at, at that point in time for them, it, they just, it was 100% you're either on the Trump train or you're against this type thing. And so the Republican party just consolidated around that. And uh, so you didn't have the, uh, you didn't have the, the disaffected Republicans uh, to, to count on. And then at the same token, you know, Trump being as divisive and, and just, obnoxious as he is the democrats in this state were were just too scared to uh let him you know just pretty much walk all over everyone and yeah. so they they were you know that that that's why we didn't see the numbers we did yeah but we did see thirty-four thousand people vote for robert murphy in the senate race uh, yeah. which is awesome so I mean, if you think about that even the dynamics you just described uh, were similar in the Senate race. I mean, yeah. People- so the Senate, the Senate race was more more akin to what what I would have liked to seen. Um, I, 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 with that one, I think the just because there were uh, five candidates in the race is why yeah. he didn't get the two and a half percent. Yeah, exactly. He almost uh, got. Now, one one the one race that that really surprised me though was Severe White. Uh, he went by Bob White on the ballot yep. uh, in the con- fourth congressional district, earning three and a half percent. You know, over ten thousand votes in in, in that race uh, in a three way race. Actually, no, I think that was a four way race if I remember right. Uh, yeah, it was a four way race, and he he was strictly a paper candidate. You know, he 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 only. He filed the paperwork and that was it. Um, he he didn't actively campaign. He 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 didn't even submit a photo to, you know, the media or anyone else. Like he literally just filed the paperwork to run, and he he pulled three and a half percent in that district. So yeah. I mean, that to me that that it tells me that, that the fourth district's pretty favorable to something besides what they what they've been getting fed for. 25 years yeah yeah no it's interesting i think i mean going from 3,000 to 15,000 over just a span of four years even at a time when libertarian party results have gone down slightly um and and the fact that our governor candidate in 18 which was of course chris powell got 40,000 votes murphy got 34,000 votes in the tough election five-way election this year um, we're still getting two, three times as many votes as we have registered libertarians, and we're growing. 
I think 2022 will be interesting. I think, um, you know, obviously turnout will be down compared to 2020 that gives yeah. us a shot at getting to that 2% if we can keep growing. Well, I, I think, I think we're going to see this year what 2022 is really going to be about uh, depending on how the legislature goes. Uh, and, and if governor Stitt's still uh, on his crusade against the tribes uh with the gambling compacts, if that, if that continues to go, I mean, that, that could really turn the tide, uh, certainly in our favor, uh, in 2022, uh, we've already seen, you know, a, a, a couple of people coming out, you know, wanting to going to be running the Republican primary, uh, you know, it's one, per, one individual in particular is on a different issue, but he, uh, 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 he, I don't think he's going to win, but he, he certainly is going to, you know, challenge Stitt uh, on that side. So it, it uh, 2022 could definitely get pretty interesting. Yeah, good stuff. Cool. Kevin, what do you got? I don't have anything. I'm just listening to you guys talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. I'm excited about where you put Oklahoma – Chad, I think um, I think we're in good spot to keep growing. I think that 2022 is going to be exciting. I think 2024, um, when hopefully, you know, Biden is too old to run, and then we've got two, you know, non-incumbents running against each other. I think it'll be an interesting time to have a strong libertarian candidate and hopefully return closer to the levels where we were in 16, if not more. Uh, but I think I think we are put ourselves in a nice position and you've just done a great job and thank you for everything you do as care and thank you for coming on tonight all right no problem thank you for having me thanks chad